Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Logos Christian Family Church as we continue. We are in a series looking at the life of David. I've entitled this series, Modern Day David's Gleaning Spiritual Truths from His Life that we can apply in our lives daily, from day to day. Sometimes we look at the Word and... Um, We ask ourselves, how can I apply the word in my life every day? How can it be meaningful for me in my life and how I live every day? And we've been doing this through our study in the life of David. And our text is found in 2 Samuel chapter 6 verses 1 to 12. 2 Samuel chapter 6 verses 1 to 12. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up thence the ark. Notice, please, the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubim. And they set the ark of God upon the new cart, notice the new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and Ahio. The sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made out of wood, even on harps and psalteries, and on timbrels and cornets and cymbals. And when they came to Nikon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. Strange, but the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his underscore the word error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him, unto the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David. Notice, with gladness, something happened. 
I've entitled this message, The Ark Within. The Ark Within. And this is what made David different from anyone else and what will make you different and what constitutes modern day David's today. The Ark Within. Not the physical Ark. The spiritual Ark Within. We'll discuss that a little bit later. And so as we begin by way of introduction, one of David's first acts, one of them, is he wanted to bring back the ark of God to Judah, to Israel. The ark was gone. The ark was lost to the Philistines. And this is extremely important because the ark represented the presence of God. Not to have the ark at that time physically meant that the presence of God was not with you or with that nation. It's very similar to what the Holy Spirit represents. The Holy Spirit lives in you and the ark was a picture or the presence of God of that. And so not to have the ark in Israel would be akin to not having the Holy Spirit present in your life. So this is extremely significant, extremely important to David because David had a hunger for God. David had a passion for God and he wanted the ark, he wanted the presence of God back in Judah, back in Israel because something happened to the ark. Every true Man of God, woman of God, every modern day David longs for the presence of God more than anything else. And by the way, friends, that's what revival is all about. People ask, why do you want, why is it you, what what is it about? Revival is where the presence of God is experienced in a greater way. Revival is when his glory comes among his people. Revival is when the supernatural is exhibited in a way that perhaps wasn't seen before. It's his presence. And where his presence is, the mountains melt in the presence of the Lord. Where there's presence, that's where the fullness of joy comes. Where their presence is experienced, where his presence is present, that's where you see his power. And David wanted that back. And that is extremely important. It sets the precedent to our text this morning. So the ark has been gone. So important was the ark. If you remember when Israel went into battle, the book of Joshua tells us that the ark was about 3,000 feet ahead of the tribe of Judah. Why? So that everyone could see the ark as they went into battle. So their focus would be not on their enemy, but the ark. So their focus would be on the power of God and not the power of the enemy. And so they marched and everyone in the camp was able to see the ark in front of them. Very significant because it's exactly what Jesus said of how modern Davids are to live. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first. Have the ark in front of you. His presence before you. You must see it. You must live it. Seek ye first. Seek ye. It must be the focal point in your life. It was the focal point in Israel's life. The heartbeat. The very lifeblood of Israel 
was the ark. That's God's power, God's presence. The ark was more than just a piece of wood or some gold laid over it or some box. It had tremendous spiritual significance. In fact, inside the ark, there was the law that God, the Ten Commandments, was in this ark. You can't have the presence of God in your life unless you are following His Word, the commandments. Inside the ark was manna that God gave the Israelites to survive. We know that this bread, this manna, is a picture of Jesus. And according to Jewish tradition, when the Messiah comes back, the ark will be brought back and this manna will be eaten among the people. Just Jewish tradition. But the manna is a picture of Christ. We have the law, the Ten Commandments. We have manna, a picture of Jesus. And then we had Aaron's rod that budded, yet there was no roots. It was just a staff that had no roots. And you can't have a tree bear fruit unless the roots are in the earth, unless you have some form of roots. There were no roots. It was just a stick that bare fruit. A picture of the supernatural. A picture of the Holy Spirit. And so what you have inside the ark is the Trinity. A picture of the Trinity. The Word of God, Father. You have the manna, a picture of Jesus, the bread of life. And you have the Holy Spirit all in one inside the ark. So it was much more than a box. It was a deep element of the lifeblood and the spiritual truth of who God is himself. And so this was very important. And in Saul's day, the Bible said, no one inquired about the ark. First Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. Nobody inquired. The ark was taken away. It was taken away because of the sin of the people. The sin of the priests and the sin of the priests' sons. How was the ark removed from Israel? Eli was the priest at the time. Eli had two sons that were living lives of debauchery. These were priests who were exploiting the people, exploiting, living unholy lives, sexual experiences and relations with other people, cheating, lying, deceiving. One of the priest's wives were pregnant. And the Bible tells us as Eli was on his porch, if you will, was waiting to hear news, the Philistines came against Israel. And the Philistines captured Israel and captured the ark and took the ark upon a cart and drove it away back to the camp of the Philistines. And when news got back to the camp, when Eli heard what happened, he fell back and broke his neck and died. And before that happened, his daughter-in-law, who was pregnant, gave birth to a son. And she called his name. Imagine that. She wasn't planning to call him this name. Nobody planned. She called him the spiritual condition of Israel, Ichabod, the presence of God has departed. Names are very significant. 
She calls, you've never heard of a son since called Ichabod. It was a description of the spiritual state of Israel. Why did this happen? Sin. What? Sin. Eli, who was the priest, allowed his sons to commit acts of debauchery. He did nothing about it. Set the tone to Israel. Israel was living in disobedience. And you can be sure that your sin will find you out. And that's exactly what happened. And the ark was taken. Again, friends, you won't hear this today too much today. You won't hear messages on Ichabod. Because we don't want to hurt anybody by speaking on these things. We don't want to offend anybody. And I've talked a lot about that. And I will continue to talk a lot about this. Because if there's anything that grieves me today as a pastor. Is what's happening to the word of God. As it's becoming more diluted. 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 Year after year. The word of God. People are compromising. New religions are cropping up. New teachings are cropping up. Taking away from the word of God. Diluting it even more and more. And guess what? These are the churches that are more popular today. These are the churches that are growing faster than any other church. Churches that do not believe entirely in the word of God. That remove things, add things. People that preach not what the word says, but they preach on feelings and emotions. And they preach on making you feel good rather than speaking the truth. And truth sounds like hate when you hate the truth. And so when you preach the truth, they call you a bigot or a hater. Homophobic. Haters. And so we don't want to talk about sin. We're not going to preach. Because, because, because people are beaten up enough. They don't need to come to church and hear about sin and the ramifications of it. So we want to stay away from that. And so now we've got churches filled with people, but they're not disciples. Churches filled with people, but they're not converts. They're just adherents. They come to enjoy messages to make them feel good. If you're in a church and you go to church every Sunday and it makes you feel good all the time, you're in the wrong church. Can I be straight up with you? That doesn't mean you're not going to feel good. Of course, the Word of God will make you feel good, will encourage you. But it will do more than that. It will instruct you. It will correct you. And if I don't have a balance then I'm in the wrong place. How many times did Jesus preach and many of them left? Didn't want to stick around because what he had to say was a little bit too offensive. How many times do we see that in Scripture? Listen, folks. We're not here to preach the Word of God, to make friends and to become famous and popular if that's what you're or to be liked by everybody if you're preaching the word and you're liked by everybody I, I got a problem with that now some people are not liked because they you know they may not do nice things and I can understand that but if you're not liked because of what you stand for that's a good thing because you're not going to please the world 
And some of these teachings and preaching today, they're basically pleasing the world. There's no separation. And I have a real problem with that. And so, Ichabod came to Israel because they sinned. Period. And they were suffering the ramifications and the ark was, ta- was taken. Nobody seemed to care. And this was a testimony against King Saul because it was under his reign. But, David comes along who's got the ark already inside of him who's got an invisible ark already in his heart and so the invisible will give birth to the physical what is ever in you will come outside whatever it does is done in the private will be take place in the public so the inner ark shouts and says wait a minute we need the outer ark back in Israel we need his presence back in Israel because he's a man after God's heart he's already he already has an inner ark deep within his soul but the inner ark doesn't see the outer ark and it bothers him and David wants to do something about it he wanted to bring it back he wanted revival David was a revivalist. How do I know that? Psalm 86. Revive thy works again, O Lord, that thy people may rejoice. David understood without the presence of God, there's no joy. None. Oh, there could be happiness, but happiness is not joy. And David wanted things to change. He wanted to see Ichabod leave he wanted God's presence back and so David wanted to change things and David did two things that we want to talk about number one David did the right thing however he did it the wrong way and here my friend is where we begin to see a crack in David's armor now in this series we're focusing more on modern day David's how they are to live and we're not talking too much of what David where he went wrong but here David makes a huge mistake that was uncharacteristic of him I repeat David makes a huge mistake that is uncharacteristic of him because we don't see this before this is the first time that we see something in David where there's a crack in his armor now if you're following on Facebook on Friday I I talked about cracks and I made this point and I want to make it again because it bears repeating now I'm sure you've gone for walks down the streets does anybody walk down the streets does anybody jog anymore maybe it was one or two of us and if you're walking or jogging down the streets have you ever noticed cracks on the sidewalk cracks on your pavement cracks in the driveway has anybody now inevitably what happens when you see cracks on the pavement there might be no grass anywhere else but what do you see in the cracks and pavements weeds don't you find that strange there are weeds growing in Asheville driveways with cracks now where the, how in the world can weeds be found there okay, have you ever asked yourself how do weeds grow in, in asphalt? 
How do weeds grow on pavements? There might be no grass anywhere, but there's weeds. And lots of weeds. Where I live, there's a school. And I go for walks and right near there, and there's about a crack about half a mile, believe it or not. And good enough, for a half mile, there are weeds growing. And it's nowhere near the, the grounds of the school. How in the world do these weeds grow? It's hard to imagine. You see, friends, weeds is a picture of sin. And whenever sin finds a crack in somewhere, if there's a crack in your armor, if there's a crack in your life, if there's a door that you've opened of compromise, if there's something you're doing that isn't right and a crack is forming in your, you can be sure the weeds are going to start growing. It doesn't have to be a big crack. It can be a little crack. And it doesn't take a big crack in a ship to sink it. It just takes a little leak and before you know it, the ship sinks. David has a crack in his armor. We didn't see it up till now. We didn't even know it was there. He's doing great things for God. He's crying out to God. He's defeating God's enemies. But there's a crack. And it's starting to surface. He did the right thing. But he did it the wrong way. Well, what was this wrong way? What, what did David do? Well, before I tell you what he did wrong, you see, friends, today we live in a world where the end seems to justify the means. So as long as something good comes out of it, it doesn't matter how I get there. So as long as, as something uh, prosperous takes place, something of value takes place, so it might even be something that God is pleased with. As long as the goal is established and it comes to pass, it doesn't matter how we get there. Ah, my friends, but that's the way the world operates. God is concerned how you get there. God is concerned about the details. He's concerned about the things that take place behind the scenes. So it's not what the world says. The end. It's all that matters. That's what's justified, not how you get there. The end does not justify the means. Not in God's economy. Not how God sees things. And so what was wrong about David? Well, the Lord gave specific instructions how to move the ark. And it was in the word of God. And David made his first Big mistake, we see this in Numbers chapter 4. We're going to do a little bit of navigating and looking at some of the spiritual insights we have in His Word. Numbers 4, 5, and 6, God gives instruction to the Levites, a prescription, if you will, on how to carry the ark. And it tells us in Numbers 4, 5, and 6, you are to put the staves or the poles inside the holes on the sides of the ark, and you are to take the poles in the ark and have the Levite priests, only them, them, carry it on their shoulders. That's how you carry the ark. There was a prescription and a description that God gave. Numbers chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible tells us that the sons of Korah the sons of Korah, Levites, they had the responsibility 
of transporting the ark on their shoulders, these were the priests, on poles. That's it. Ark goes, the poles go inside the ark on the sides where there's holes made for them, and you place the ark that have the poles on the shoulders of the priests. So you got two priests and two priests, you got four priests, and you're carrying it like this. So, Rick, can you please stand? Brother Walden, can you stand? Brother Elijah, can you stand with me? I want you beside me, Elijah. Right here. Rick, can you come over here? And Brother Walden here. Now, I don't got a pole. I'm going to make, I'm going to find a pole. Okay, I just found a pole. I'm going to find a pole. It's right here. I just found a pole. Okay, I just found a pole. And I'm going to show you. This wasn't planned, obviously, but here it is. So here's one pole. Can you please hold this pole? Put it on your shoulder, please. Thank you very much. I got another pole right here. I'm going to get rid of this. Philip, don't worry about it. We'll be fine in a moment. All the praise team. And you got, here's, a, here's another pole. Okay. Here we go. Elijah, are you there with me? Okay. So, can you go there? So, just here's your back here. Okay. So, here we go. And the ark was right in between us. And so, just march with me. This is what you were supposed to do with the ark. And the ark is in the middle of us. Wherever you go. Did you see that? You got that? Thank you so much. I want to give you a visual. Thank you, men. You'll get a raise next week. That's, okay? You'll get a raise next week. Okay? You'll get a raise next week. All right. That's how you did it. No other way. You see, today... We don't like to follow the word of God. We want to find other ways, other methods. There's a lot of places we want to use the methods of the world to transport the ark. We use the methods of the world to usher in the presence of God. So let's find certain styles of music. Let's, let's, let's decorate the church a certain way to get a certain ambiance that would stimulate certain feelings and emotions and maybe people will think that's the presence of God I don't know. let's dress a certain way let's put our hair back in ponytails and let's wear skinny jeans and the methods of the world trying to justify the ends well the Lord was not pleased not at all. David followed the directions of the world and not the direction of the word. In Deuteronomy 17, 14, I noticed something powerful right to 19. Deuteronomy 17, 14, we have directives and direction from the Lord to kings and how they're supposed to deal with certain matters. And in Deuteronomy chapter 17, I want you to notice what it says. Here, we begin at verse number 14. Well, verse number 13 says, Don't multiply wives. He's word for the king. Don't multiply gold. Don't multiply gold. And, verse, and then verse, uh, sorry, eight, 18. Verse 18, so that's 17. And verse 18 says, And it shall be, when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, he shall write him a copy of the law of the book. Of the Levite. You, if you're a king, you better write down the words of the Lord. Stick to the word of God. Stick 
to the word of God. Write them down. Write it down, David. Write it down, King Saul. Write it down, Uzziah, Hezekiah. Stick and focus on the word. Not what man says. Not what fashion says. Not what the Pope says. Not what the preacher says. What the word of God says. There's a little nugget there. For free, you can take it and write it down for yourselves. David, what are you doing? What did David do? David's desire was right. See, stay with me. He had a pure heart. He still had the ark within. David was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. You can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. There's some good people. Really good people. They're sincere, but they've made horrific mistakes because they did it in ignorance. It makes you wrong. God doesn't tolerate ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so for some of you that come to church when you feel like it, some of you on YouTube that just listen to a sermon every so often, but you don't pick up the word for yourself, you don't taste, now you know why I was talking about tasting, I still, find, I still saw it there, I don't know, I must have lost my mind or something, I know, wasn't it there? Did you see it there? What song was it? The first song, that's where it was, Josh are you hearing me, Philip? The first song, you see I wasn't hallucinating, we're going to sing that again later on, I'm letting you know that, okay? I told you I wasn't hallucinating. Anyway, tasting. Write it down for yourselves. Ingest the word of God yourself. I'm glad you come to hear me preach, but you know what? So what? <laughs> yeah, 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 hear me preach, wonderful. But uh, what about next day? What about tomorrow? What about after that? Give us this day our what about the daily bread? Where's your daily bread? Where's your tasting? Where's your ingesting tomorrow and the next day? Where is it? No wonder we're weak, some of us. We're not ingesting the word of God on a daily basis. So let's listen to preacher so-and-so. Let's listen to brother so-and-so. And sometimes brother so-and-so is preaching the, one, the wrong bread and some of you are getting confused because you haven't tasted the word for yourselves. David made a huge, huge mistake. One of the biggest mistakes of his life up to this point was right here. I'm going to tell you in a moment. His heart was right. His heart was right. Don't make a skew, but pastor, my heart is right. Sorry, my heart's deceitful above wickedness. It's a, the Bible says, don't trust your heart. The Bible says, your heart is wicked. Oh, you won't hear that today either. But my heart without Christ is wicked. My heart in itself, in the flesh, is wicked. You can't trust your flesh. David was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. And there's a lot of people that might be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong because they are in ignorance. Ignorance. David was in ignorance because he 
didn't obey what God told them to do in Deuteronomy 17. Stay with me, stay with me. You see, friends, the world doesn't care about the details. The ends justify the means, but God is concerned about the details. He's concerned about your motives. He's concerned about the hows. He's concerned about the whens. He's concerned about what goes on behind the scenes. You see, because God's concerned about the process. The world's concerned about the product, the end. But God's concerned about the process, how you get there. How do you get there? God's concerned about how you get there. Not about what you do all the time, but how you get there. What is your motive? What goes on behind the scenes? What are you doing when nobody's looking? The how for God is more important than even getting there. But we don't see that because we just want to get there. So David, the crack is starting to get a little deeper. He's doing the right thing, bringing the ark back, but the wrong way, and now he does his second mistake. Watch this now. David asks the right questions. See, there's right. It's right. You can be wrong, even if you're right. He asked the right questions, but to the wrong people. So he did the right thing, the wrong way, transports the ark on a what? On a new cart. God never said to transport the ark on a new cart. He said to transport them, David, De- Deuteronomy, Numbers 4, 7, Numbers, Numbers 7, 9, to transport them upon the shoulders of a priest in the, in, in the holes of the ark. That's it. Not on a new cart. That's what the Philistines did. David, you're trying to do God's will. The methods of the world. Oh, church, don't you see this is what's happening today? With these big mega churches? Oh, man. Oh, man. One of these churches I saw, that, what, I, I, I do a lot of research in this area. They were having, it was a, it was a Christmas program. I, have never, I thought I was in Las Vegas. Remember, I come from an entertainment world. I come from a Hollywood background. So you can't fool me. I thought I was on stage somewhere watching a Hollywood production with, with the Rockettes, which were the NBC dancers. You should, these are Christian music with miniskirts and dancing to the music. I said, this is church? Church! Friends, can I tell you something? Do you know the number one Christian song on Christian Billboard today? But I don't understand why there's even the Dove Awards. Do you know what the Dove Awards are? These are awards given to Christian artists. Well, why do you have Dove Awards? Are we not supposed to be discreet and be humble about these things? We're giving awards now like the world does. Academy Awards, the Global Awards, the Grammy Awards. Now we've got the Dove Awards for Christian singers. So I don't even accept that to begin with. But let's just accept it a little bit. Just a bit. Which brings me to my next point. The number one song on the Christian Dove Billboard, you know what it is? It's a song sung by Eminem. Eminem! A Luciferian! A Satanist! He was in cahoots with Kanye West, who's pretending to be a Christian. Bunch of nonsense. Kanye West, if you're listening to me, I know you're not, but if you are, you need to repent. 
That's what you need to do. Kanye West. That, are you kidding me? Is that what's happened to Christianity today? Number one song on the Christian book. I forget the title of it. You can look it up for yourself. Google, do whatever you want. I don't, you know, I'm not even, but I'm just giving you the facts. David, you are trying to do God's will, bringing his presence back, but you're doing what Eminem's doing. You're doing what Kanye West is doing. You're putting the ark on a new cart. That was a Philistine method. God had no it never gave you prescription. That's not in his word. Why are we doing things that are not in his word? We don't want to preach what the word says. You see, Pastor, I want, I want, to, I want to reach out to people. Joel Olstein was interviewed by Larry King many years ago. Why don't you preach? He said it. Why don't you preach against sin? He said this. Go check it out. Google. Do whatever you want. Did you see the interview? Did you see it? Okay, thank you. Well, you know, Larry, we don't want to offend. And, you know, I, 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 people get battered enough. They don't need to come to church and hear about sin, you know, and the blood. So I stay away from that because I want, I want to teach people about themselves and on a motivated to live better lives and yeah okay then why don't we go to Tony Robbins camp let's let's go to the conference that Tony Robbins has and let's go and get motivated in a rah-rah you can do it seminar and it'll be the exact same thing you hear in church is that what you want to do is that what the church has become a motivational speaker speaking every Sunday rah-rah-rah and jumping up and down but no life-changing no converts, no disciples. Just hot tub, goosebump Christianity. Oh, Pastor Dino, why are you becoming so critical again? You're just too negative. You're always criticizing this. Listen. Jesus said, in the last days, there's going to be false teachings and false prophets. He also said, There'll be many who give heed to seducing spirits. He's warning us. Be careful. Warn about it. Test the spirits. I didn't say it. He did. If a pastor or teacher is worth his salt in any way, he's going to want to warn you if he does care for you. I'm not saying this to knock them down. I happen to care what happens to the church. <laughs> I'm not a very good pastor, but I care enough for the people of God to know the truth. That's what I care about, that you grow and be strong in Him. I don't care about how many come to the church. Well, I do care. I could be a liar, if I, but I, I, that's not my emphasis. That's not my main motivation. i rather you grow and be strong in Christ and know the truth than have a, a million people here who are going, hallelujah, goose come, and then on Mondays they're going all over the place and they're listening to him here and got no basis and no foundation.
David, you're making mistakes all over the place because you haven't gone to the word of God. And yet he was sincere. But I, Pastor, you know, I, I didn't really know, and I, you know, he, she, but you know, my heart was, no excuses. David. And I'm going to tell you why there were no excuses. Stay with me, stay with me. So David does the right thing the wrong way, and now he's asking the right questions, but to the wrong people. And so David's concerned. Oh no, Uzzah died. How can this be? This is, they're happy, he's all excited, he's dancing before the Lord. The ark is going back to Jerusalem, going, he's dancing, hallelujah. All of a sudden, the, the oxen stumbles, the ark is about to fall. Uzzah the priest wants to rescue it. It's so innocent, it's so innocent. He wants it to protect it. And he, God's anger, verse 7, and he smotes him. That, that, that just makes sense. How could, it seems so innocent. Well, you know, it's so pure. You know, Pastor, he, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, Pastor, he said this and she said, but, Oh, my friends. Oh, my friends, it's so much deeper than what it seems like. So much deeper than what it seems like. It seems so innocent, but it wasn't at all. In First Corinthians Chronicles chapter thirteen, verse one, David is concerned. Uzzah has died. Something is wrong, and he's got to ask some questions. He's got to figure out what's going on here. And in First Chronicles chapter thirteen, David consulted with the captains and thousands of the hundreds of every leader. What are we going to do now? He consulted. Okay, man, what are we going to do? The ark. Uzzah's dead. I'm scared. The Bible says in, in Samuel that David was afraid. He was petrified when Uzzah died. He couldn't understand it. And so David gets concerned. He's in fear. And he's asking questions. What are we supposed to do now? He consults with the captains, the leaders. Hey, what are we supposed to David, here's the crack. Here's where the weeds are growing. Remember, the cracks are where the weeds grow. You might be in the driveway, there's no grass anywhere, but the weeds are growing because there's a crack. Here is where the weeds are growing. David, 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 can I ask you, David, David, who are you consulting? Who are you consulting? David, you are consulting who? Men, leaders, captains. Sounds good, looks good, but David, that's not what you did before. Do you remember if you've been listening to me? Whenever there was a problem or issue, what did David do before? He inquired of the? Did he go to the captains? Did he go? He went first to God. Three separate times. We see this. Uh, I wrote it down. Let's see. Yeah. We see this in 2 Samuel 5, 2 Samuel 3, and 1 Samuel 23. The first thing David would do, he would seek God first. Lord, what is it you want me to do? Should I go up? Should I go here? Should I do this? Should I go here? He doesn't consult men. Now, that doesn't mean we can't seek counsel, but not first. How many people, they go through problems, they seek first the pastor? They seek first the brother. They seek first Aunt B, Aunt May, Father Malcolm. They seek board member Jessica, board member Anthony. Seek them first. They're smart. They've got wisdom. Let me go see brother so-and-so. He'll tell me what to do. 
crack in your armor the weeds because brother Anthony might give you some advice but then sister Agnes might give you the other advice and then, and then sister sister Judy might say no well you know what I think you should be and then brother brother Antoine is going to say well you know what maybe you should and you got a smorgasbord of different opinions then what Oh, pastor, here you go again with this negative something and critics. Wait, what? No, listen, man, I've been pastoring for a long time. I've been on many board meetings. And I can tell you, as great as board members are, you think all the board members agree? I've got to seek God first. David, why are you... Why are you going to these captains first? Well, what are you doing, David? David, you, you, you would cry out to God before you're consulting these men. Jeremiah says, Cursed be the man that trusts or makes man the arm of his faith or his trust. In other words, putting too much confidence in what man says. Jeremiah 17 says, Cursed be the man that makes man his arm. Wow! Why do you think the church gets devastated when pastor so-and-so falls in sin? Why do you think the church collapses in some cases when, when brother evangelist or pastor... Because you've made man your arm. That's why. That doesn't mean we don't respect leaders. That doesn't mean we don't respect people. But we don't make them our arms. We don't make them our life. We don't make them, they're not my pillar. No man is my pillar. I, I lo- I'll get advice and direction, absolutely. But they're not my pillar. No man is my pillar. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else. And I see this. People going to other people all the time. Calling people. Getting direction from people. Seeking people. Nothing wrong with getting advice. But as long as you did what David did. And inquire first of the Lord. David went wrong. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 and 7, see, God responds in verse 7. He's angry and he smotes Uzzah. David, you got the wrong answer. He did something wrong. You see, he was influenced. What did the men tell him? In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, back to that, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, the men said, David, go ahead and do what you want. Go ahead. Put the ark on the cart of the Philistines. 1 Chronicles chapter 13. And David consulted the captain of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. Verse 2, watch this, watch this now. And said, David, unto all the congregation of Israel. Now this is the congregation. Now all the people are going to be affected. All the people are going to be affected because of David's big mistake. Let me tell you something. Your life matters. You affect other people's lives whether you realize it. Your sin doesn't only affect you, it affects others. Can I say that again? Your sin doesn't only affect you, it affects others. 
all the con- if it seems good David and before the Lord let us abroad our brethren there let's left in all the lands of Israel keep going with all them also the priests and Levites which are all in their cities and suburbs and they gather themselves unto us so let's go ahead if it seems good you do what you got to do transport it take it on the cart if it seems right with you just go ahead David was influenced by the Philistines the people now are influenced by David who's been influenced by the Philistines David was asking the right questions to the wrong people and so David is doing the work of God with the methods of the world a cart the methods of the world a cart the methods of the world how many times does the church do ministry with the methods of the world and you know what's sad some of them don't even see it they're so accustomed to worldliness that they don't see the difference because the ark has been departed the ark is the presence of God you're going to refer to Philistinian methods because the discernment's gone the presence is gone and so we're going to have to figure out ways it's like what King Saul did Saul fell back terribly he backslid terribly the Bible even tells us he even attempted to cry out to God but it didn't work he was such a reprobate it was all an exterior veneer what does Saul do? he goes and consults a witch for direction the witch of Endor 1 Samuel chapter 28 he's become such a reprobate he goes and he seeks the counsel of a witch a witch here's a man who banished that witch when he was first king and now he's seeking counsel from her that's what sin will do the world can I say it? I'm going to say it I'm going to say it nothing to lose some of these people you know who they're looking for advice and direction we've all heard of Oprah Winfrey I think we've all heard of her has anybody not heard of her you got some big time preachers that are best friends with her you got T.D. Jakes loves her praises her thinks she's some kind of demigod you've got Joel Osteen inviting her there bringing her here coming on her programs all these so called great preachers are now in cahoots with Oprah Winfrey who's a bona fide new ager says she's a Christian but there's many ways to come to Christ to God that Jesus is not the only way into this new age philosophy personified who believes that she's a demigod herself that God is in her that she's a God don't believe me do some research you'll find out to be this is what's happening now I love TDJ I think he's a great preacher but man is he slipping he's slipping I'm telling you now he's slipping now he doesn't believe in the Trinity are you kidding me you don't believe in the Trinity you're in trouble big trouble look I may not be your friend you may not like me very much but I'm gonna tell you one thing at least you're gonna hear it alright I'm not here for friends I'm here to speak the truth okay and maybe that's why there's not so many people here today I don't know or any day for that matter but that's fine with me I'll accept that I, that's fine honestly you know what it doesn't matter anymore can I tell you I'm speaking primarily to those on Facebook by the way and those on YouTube but
So what is the result? God's anger, the Bible says. Anger. You won't hear much preaching on anger. God's wrath, you won't hear that. No, we don't. <laughs> God was not happy with David, with what Uzzah did at all. I'm going to give you a couple of deeds that took place as a result of David's sin. David sinned and Uzzah's sin. Remember, Uzzah was a priest. The priest should have known better. David should have known better. There's no premium on ignorance, by the way, folks. Because my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so, two things happen. Disaster and delay. Watch what happens. A disaster takes place. We know that Uzzah loses his life. I've got to ask, did the oxen just so happens to stumble? Folks, stay with me. We're going to go deeper this morning. So the oxen stumble, the ark tips over, Uzzah goes and rescues. Do you think, you think, this is just for free, you could just think about it. Do you think the oxen just so happened to stumble that moment? Or maybe there was something beyond that that took place, that needed to take place? Stay with me. So the oxen stumbles, Uzzah goes to rescue, and he dies. The oxen, the oxen now are carrying the ark on this cart. The oxen. God never instructed to move the ark with oxen. We just, we just spoke to you about that. Never instructed the ark to be carried by, oxen, by a cart or oxen. They were blatantly, and remember, the ark was the key. The ark was the lifeblood. You are carrying God's presence, the very essence. I just told you the Trinity's inside there. On a, on, God, God has, when you're messing with God and His presence and who He is, and you take away His word, and you minimize His word, there's going to be consequences. Disaster took place. He never prescribed this. Oxen were unholy animals. This act was an abomination, if you will. The point is, the method of transporting, transporting the ark was strictly Philistine. It had nothing to do with God. And Uzzah, as he sees it falling, seemed innocent. But he's a priest. He should have known better. Numbers 4.15. Numbers 4. It's a priest. Uzzah, you're part of it. Uzzah helped taking the ark back to Jerusalem in 1 Samuel 7. He actually helped carry the ark. And now, now this priest who knows better is doing the opposite. Do you know that there's serious judgment that comes to those who are priests and those who claim to have you know, that authority with God? There's a lot severe judgment that will take place. That's why James says, don't seek to be a teacher because you have greater condemnation if you're not following the principles. I, we, we don't like to hear much of that, but it's the truth. A lot of people are seeking leadership, seeking positions. Be careful, friends, what you seek for. Be careful. Uzzah was a priest. He helped transport the ark in 1 Samuel. He knows, he knows what to do. He understood it. Uzzah, now why? here's a nugget. Here's something for free. Uzzah, in Hebrew, means strength. Oh, oh I love this. We're going to go deeper. Uzzah means strength. Do you know what I see here? Uzzah used his own strength, his own mindset, his own ability to solve the problem. Amen. 
Uza means strength. And you know, friends, when you use your own strength, when you use your own mind, your own ability, your own savvy, your own expertise, my abilities, my PhD degree, when you use your own strength to do the work of the Lord, you can be sure it's going to end up in disaster. Because last time I checked, it's not by might, not by power. Last time I checked, it's never by your strength. And that's why God was teaching Gideon, give me 300 soldiers who don't know anything about warfare, who are qualified by how they drink, and they're going to defeat 10,000 Midianites. Because God never looks at your strength. You're not qualified. That's why you do things. God calls the unqualified. That's what makes you qualified. Uzzah, determined in his own way, seemed so innocent, but he knew much better. He saw that ark transported. He knew what was going on, but he dis He should have told David, David, wait a minute! You're making a mistake, David. What do you mean? David, you can't transport the ark this way. That's the way of the world. Well, some scholars believe that Uzzah was becoming very worldly and it didn't matter to him anymore. I don't know. The point is, he should have told David and he should have known better. And by the way, for those that like to keep things under the carpet, th those who don't want to confront and speak the truth, because Uzzah didn't confront David, look what happened. There are times you need to speak it out and confront. Uzzah should have confronted David, but he didn't. Too scared, maybe. Oh, but you know, I don't, I'm fearful. Yeah, you're fearful? Your fearfulness is going to cause a lot more fear in other people's lives. Get over yourself. Speak the truth. Speak it. Don't worry what people are going to think of you because that's part of the reason why we don't confront. Well, what's he going to think? What's he going to think? You know how you know? Well, if you're so concerned about what he thinks and she thinks and you keep shoving things under the carpet, then you're going to be, end up at fault at one point, my friend. And you're going to scratch your head and you're going to say, I should have done it like this. I should have told him. I should have told. I should have told her, but I was too scared. Or I was worried about what they're going to think of me. What are they going to think of me? That's what's more important, what people think of me. That's what's more important today. Rather than what God thinks of you. So we'll, no problem not offending people because we don't want them to think bad of us, but we have a problem offending God. No problem whatsoever. So, I won't offend you because I care what you think of me, but I'll offend God because, you know, God, God will forgive me. And so disaster took place. And then delay took place, a major delay Notice verse 8 to 11. Verses 8 to 11 in our text. 2 Samuel. Do we have it? And David was displeased because the Lord had made breach upon Uzzah. David didn't understand. Didn't understand it. We'll find out what happened to David later. And so he made breach and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Keep going. Verse 9. 
And David was afraid. Oh my goodness, now he's afraid of God. Before he was dancing to the Lord. He was rejoicing. Now he's afraid. Sin will cause you to become fearful. David, you sinned. You didn't realize it. I'm going to find out why David sinned in a few moments. And said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Keep going. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him, the city of David, but David carried it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, and it was three months, three months it stayed at Obed-Edom's house. Three months there was delay. Three months delay in the progress of God. Three months delay in bringing the ark back to the house of the Lord. Three months revival was delayed. Three months revival was delayed. Three years revival was delayed. Three years revival was delayed. Three years revival was delayed. 33 years revival was delayed 360 revival was delayed why? because there was a delay as a result of some kind of sin can we go deeper? Israel was delayed how many years in the desert? 40 years was that God's perfect will? no he wanted them to get cross the Bible said 11 days, 2 weeks, maximum 2 weeks took 40 years of delay in the desert because of sin. Oh, what sin, Pastor? Do you know? Bickering, complaining, murmuring. That's sin, by the way, last time I checked. You're complaining all the time? That's sin. Delay always has a birth and a birthing, and the birthing is usually sin or someone who has disobeyed the word of God. If I would preach this message in some of these churches, they would kick me out. Literally. I'm not kidding you. I was preaching in a synagogue once. <laughs> uh, my wife, she was working in the bank at that time, and she would uh, have this rabbi come to her, and they would become friends eventually, and they talked, and this and that, and and she, and, and Annie, can you come and tell me the story, please? Here. Because I, I don't want to mess up. Come up, get your mic. Don't, 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 come on up here. Where's the mic? The mic was here. It's right over there. Okay, take the mic and tell them the story. Because you're going you're gonna, to, I, I forget it. details. You know how I am. <laughs> um, yeah, many years back, um, I was working at the bank, and it just so happened that this rabbi found out I was married to a pastor, and he said to me, he says, oh, do you think your husband would like to maybe one day come on, uh, you know, and come share at the men's fellowship? And I just looked at him and I thought, he does not know what he's asking. <laughs> they were very liberal. So this, uh, they weren't Hasidic Jews. But um, so I said, sure. That would be great, and um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. We really prayed this up, of course, at this men's fellowship. Women were allowed, and uh, so there we were, uh, and all these people, uh, the men were there, uh, some of their wives, of course, and when he preached, he preached specifically just taking the Old Testament and showing who Jesus was. <laughs> and right it in the was synagogue. In the synagogue. And it was quite amazing because, you know, here they were looking at the fact that he was taking the word of God and uh, to what they knew and just showing Jesus. And at yeah. the end, it was kind of interesting, um, you know, everybody clapped. They did not expect 
him to see, you have to understand, this particular rabbi, he would have pe preachers come in and just talk about um, climate, environmental issues, things like that. So when he came, it, it was not what they expected. And so long story short, they clapped at the end. They stood up and the rabbi was so angry because one man put up his hand and said, can you tell me more about Jesus? And, and the rabbi was aghast. And, and it was, <laughs> we I were literally thrown out. <laughs> Thanks, Nance. So he got so angry because they twice he took me and he actually escorted me outside the building. Kick me out. See, friends, I wonder whether you're willing to do that if God gave you. Just, you might say, oh, Pastor, what? Think about it. You see, we're living in a world where we're so consumed about what people think of us that we're not willing to take a stand. That's what disturbs me. That's why I use this illustration. I'm nothing but the grace of God, and so are you. But I want to let you know that there's going to be a time in your life where you've got to take a stand. And if you're not going to stand on the word of God, then you're going to fall for anything. And so there was disaster, number one. Number two, there was a delay for three months. But then, after the three months, David saw something. There's delight. Verses 11 to 15, something happens. David sees something. After three months, David learns something. Verses 11 to 15, the Lord hath blessed, watch now, the house of Obed-Edom. And so let's bring the ark back to Israel. And joy started to rise up. You see, you see what happened is as the ark was placed in Obed-Edom's house, for three months, David started to see something. He started to see that God was blessing Obed-Edom because he was living right and he was catering to what is true and to the word of God. And the blessing came upon Edom's household. And David said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I see something I didn't see before. I see something I didn't see before. He learned something. I'm going to tell you what that is in a few moments. He learned something and, 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 and the delight started to rise up within him. Something, he started getting excited. First Chronicles chapter 15 verse 2. We're going to find out what he learned. First Chronicles chapter 15 verse 2. What did he learn? Watch this now. David made a house in the city of David. Verse 2, then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God by the, I'm sorry, but by the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. David learned something during that period of time. During the three months of delay, David learned something. Why do you think you go through trials and tribulations? Ultimately, so you can learn something. So you can see something. And so a delight started to rise up. He learned something. If ever you truly learn something, if you, some of us are too insecure, some of us are too self-defensive that we can't learn. 
When you go through trials and difficulties, many of us don't learn anything because we're, we're too self-conscious and we want to justify and we don't listen carefully and we don't learn. We don't learn because, because, because we're not listening, because we're insecure or we're hurting and so we want to push out that so, 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 or defend ourselves. And so as we're defending ourselves, we can't see, we can't learn. You can't learn when you're defensive. You can't learn because you're on guard. David could have been on guard. How dare you, Lord? But no, he saw something. He went back to the word and he saw Odeb Edom and he, maybe he, uh, speculation, maybe he talked to the priest, the true priest, and told him, David, you made a mistake. Doesn't it say in Deuteronomy 17, you're supposed to write down the words of the Lord, specific rules for the king. David, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. David saw something in the three months of university. We've been talking about desert university. David was for three months in the desert. But he learned something. It's a travesty to be in a desert and not learn anything. See, Israel didn't learn it. That's why they went around and around for 40 years. Whenever you experience a delay, Whenever you're in some form of trial, you need to ask yourselves, God, are you teaching me something? Put away self. Bring down those mechanisms of, of protection and being on guard. You're not going to be on guard here. I'm not going to let you in, so I'm going to defend myself in this one. I'm going to put away. Open, Lord. Can I, are you saying something to me? Are you speaking to me? David, who had the ark within, my title, was able to listen. When you have the ark within, you're open. You're sensitive to God. And David made a huge mistake, but you see, he listened. And something began to change. He's in delight. Oh my gosh, he's in delight now. He's seen the error of his ways. You see, God wants us to do his work his way, not with a new cart. And during those three months, something took place in his life. Oh my friends, something took place in his life. You see, friends, what you don't know can hurt you. What you don't know can hurt you. That's why you got to study to show yourself approved. That's why you got to stop listening to all these preachers and start reading the word of God for yourself. And taste and see that the Lord is good. Remember, Philip, we're going to be singing that song in a few moments. I told you it was there. I told you it was there. It's not there? Well, we're going to make one up. Gee, what's the matter with you over Oh, gosh. Jeremiah 9.23, are you ready? This is my goal in life. This is the scripture I had in Bible college under my name when I graduated. This was my, t this is what I stand, this is what I believe. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in your way. Stop glorying in your wisdom and how much you know and how smart you are God says let not the wise man glory in his wisdom neither let the mighty man glory in his might how strong you are how powerful you are look at me see Uzzah 
Uza means strength. He gloried in his strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Who cares? You, so you got money? Big deal. Congratulations. That doesn't impress God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. God calls what? He calls blessed different than the world calls blessed. Doesn't mean God can't bless you with a house. Doesn't mean God, but you just see, it's not about the house or the boat. Or It's about your spirit. It's about the internal things. Neither let the mighty man, but let him, but, but, if you're going to glory, glory in this, that you understand and know that I might know you in the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your apostles. My God. I gotta know you, Lord. And now it's dancing. Now there's dancing, so there's delight that turns into dancing. Notice, please, verse 14 of Second Chronicles 6, sorry, 2 Samuel 6. Look what's happening. Oh, this is important. Verse 14, verse 14. Somebody's looking at David and was told David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obedidim because of the ark. So David went and brought up the ark from the house of Obedidim. He's already learned something, and there's gladness. He's delight. He's all delightful. Notice there's where I get my word delight. He's all excited. He's learned something. He's bringing the ark back home. He's doing it properly. He's doing it the way God. God wants them. Verse 13, and it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord that gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatling, very good and David danced uh, with the Lord. Oh my God, here it is. And he got so excited. He obeyed God. He learned something. He's, he's bringing the, the presence of God back because the ark inside is now going to be experienced by the ark outside. You see my title's purpose. And so David's all excited. He's dancing. He's rejoicing. He's excited. God's revival is... He's excited about revival. This is revival. The presence was gone. Now it's back. What is revival? Reve, to renew the presence, to renew him in your midst. That's what re David now is excited because he's now experiencing revival. That thy people may rejoice. Revive thy works. That thy people may revive. He's dancing. He's all excited. Verse number 14. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. Okay. A little strange. David was a little strange. Anybody who truly loves God, by the way, you're a little strange. Can I be honest with you? Oh, you are. Because you're different from the world. And you don't love the things of this world. It makes you strange. So David's dancing. He's all excited. He's rejoicing. But notice now, verse 15. Okay. So David and all of his house of Israel brought up the ark. The Lord was shouting. Sound. Listen, friends. Don't shut me down because I'm shouting for the Lord. Now, you might be a little bit different personality. and You might be more low-key. That's fine. God bless you. You can praise the Lord the way you want. But don't shout me down because I want to shout. Don't tell me you can't do that because it's, it's undignified. Let me tell you something. Somebody wanted to shut David down. Now watch this. Oh, it's going to get really interesting. And so, and so David is shouting and trumpets and music and worship. Verse 16. And as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before him and she despised him in his heart. She despised him. 
She despised him. David's dancing. He's all excited about the things of God. He's dancing with all his might. The inner ark is now experiencing the outer ark. Oh man, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. David has a reason to dance. He has a reason to rejoice. Things are happening. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But there's somebody. There's a lady watching David. Satan cometh immediately to take away the word that's been sown. Satan comes immediately to rob you of your joy. He comes immediately to steal what God is doing. To put, to put some, 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 some cold, cold water on a hot fire that's burning in your soul. And she does despised him she didn't just say she despised him the word is very graphic you know you are most despised when you're dancing for God you are most despised when someone sees you rejoicing in God you are most despised when people see the fire of God in your life you are most despised when people see something different in you you're, they can't stand you the devil hates you you are reproached to people when you have a testimony for God when you're dancing for the Lord you know why you're reproached to them because they're doing the opposite and they hate you why do you think Joseph's brothers hated him because Joseph had a relationship with God why do you think David was hated by his brothers because David loved God and friends because you love God doesn't mean everybody's going to love you so get off that hobby, get off that horse of trying to love everybody, everybody's going to love you it's not true, because you love God you're going to have some serious enemies can I be straight up with you the greatest enemies I've ever had is after I became a Christian. Not before. I didn't I've ever had any enemies really until I became a Christian. <laughs> I better wrap this up. Disaster, delay, delight, dancing, despising. <laughs> she says, this is not good behavior, verse 16, for a king, David, acting undignified. That's what the Bible says, undignified. That's what the Hebrew word, undignified. That's what it means. You're undignified, David, loincloth, how dare you? But you see, friends, this is the greatest day in David's life since he's been king. Revival has come. Revival has come. It's been a dry three months, David is saying. It's been dry three years. It's been a dry 303 years. It's been dry 3,000. It's been dried. But now the presence is back. We can dance. We can rejoice in his presence. My God. My God. And who's mocking him? His own wife. Excuse me? Maybe if it was a Pharisee or, or the Philistine maybe or one of the corrupt priests, okay, but your wife? Some of the greatest enemies you'll have will be in your family. Oh! When I got saved, my own family almost disowned me literally I'm serious literally my mother sent my sister to spy out on me something Dino's lost his mind go check up on him David's worst enemies were his own family his own son wanted to kill him Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him it was who that killed Abel 
his own brother. And they had a fight over the offering. Mm, that's another sermon right there. I won't get there. That's, I got too much stuff to do. But she despised him, hated him. How dare you? Verse 20. Notice verse 20. Look, look what she says in verse 20 here. And then David returned to bless his house. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How glorious. Look, look at the sarcasm. You see, Sarcasm. Oh, how glorious was it the king of today, Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of all the handmaids. And you think she really cared about the handmaids? She, she's sarcastic. She's, she's the daughter of Saul and she had the spirit of Saul. the eyes of the handmaids and his servants as one of the vain followers shamelessly uncovered himself. Look at David's response. And David said, oh yeah, really? Yeah. Okay, Michal. It was before God, not before man, who chose me before the fathers and before this house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord. And therefore, I will play before the Lord. And yeah, you think, you, you think I've done terrible? Yeah, you think I was, I'm going to, really, really, Michael? Okay, okay. I will yet be even more vile. You think I'm undefined, undignified? I'm going to be even more undignified. You think this was frivolity and nonsense? I'm going to be more. I'm going to be even wilder. I'm going to be even more aggressive. I'm going to be. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the, the most I can be for God, and I'm not going to let you stop me. My God. You see, David had the ark within. When you have the ark within, you take a stand for what you believe. His wife didn't share the joy, didn't have a relationship with God. She should have been rejoicing with him. She should have been rejoicing. Didn't we learn about David? One of the great qualities, he did not rejoice over King Saul's demise. He wept. In modern day Davids, they don't show vengeance. They weep with those who weep and they rejoice. They don't try to execute their own wills and what they want, their humility and brokenness. And in verse 21, 23, he says, I did it before the Lord. Why? Because he loved God. Modern day David's greatest attribute is their love for God. They may not be great in some of the exterior elements, but there's one thing. They have a deep love for God. They have the ark within. It's not just an exterior veneer. They don't care what people think. They'll dance and worship God. If there's nobody there, it doesn't matter. That's what modern day Davids do. This is what separated him from the rest. He loved God. Conclusion. Application. What did we learn as we close this morning? Number one. Notice the consequence of sin. What does the Bible say about Michal? Watch now. Verse 23. Therefore Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children unto the day of her death. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
no children. God opens the womb and closes the room. Because of her sin, God closed her womb. Oh, you won't hear that either today. Because today's preaching, the womb is always open. Today's preaching, oh, God blesses everything. God bless you. No problem. Everything's fine. The womb is always open. That's not true. You hear some of this preaching, it's all generic. Oh yeah, his blessings, and he, he wants to deliver you, and he does this. It's all generic. Everybody's in the same boat. No, it's not. everybody's not in the same boat. There's a reason why your womb is closed. The consequence of sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. Number two. Number two. Blessings can pass you by. If you're ignorant. If there's no... God doesn't have any premium on ignorance. My people are destroyed for... You see, David didn't understand he didn't go back to the word he didn't go to Deuteronomy 17 he didn't go to numbers and he didn't check the word of God how to transport the ark and it cost him three months of hell Jesus said to Israel you miss the day of your visitation the blessings passed you by because of your sin Oh, pastor, there you go again. How can I not? It's throughout the word of God. Blessings can pass you by, my friend. It really can. You can take laps around Mount Sinai for 40 years if you're not careful. The power of choice. With some of the teachings today where you got no choice, you got a choice. That's a lie. You have a choice and a free will. You choose you this day, Joshua. Motive is important. Number three, the importance of performance. Now, not performing as performance in the arts. I'm talking about the motives of the heart. You're going to be judged by the motives of your heart, not necessarily the deeds. Did not Jesus say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And these were the very ones that were, wait a minute, Jesus. Didn't we cast out demons in your name? We did all these wonderful things. Depart from me. You're not going to be judged necessarily by what you do. But the motives of your heart. Because a lot of things that you do, if the motive is wrong, God is weeping. Man might be applauding, but God is weeping. It's always based on motives. Always based on the why, on the details, on the how. So you might be a great doing this. You, and the world, look how much she's given to charity. Motive is wrong. It means nothing. Performance. Remember, 1 Corinthians 3, when your gifts, when, when your works are going to be judged, read it for yourself when you get home. I don't have time to expand on it. Some will be tried in fire. Precious stones right? Some wood, hay, and stubble, precious stones, gold and silver. What happens to the wood, hay, and stubble? It's going to be burned by the fire. What happens to the precious stones? It's going to be refined. Some of your works, my friends, are like wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be burned up. No rewards because the motive was wrong. The motive was wrong. The motive was wrong. The purpose was wrong. The why was wrong. The how was wrong. Why do you want to do what you want to do is the question. Why do you want to be 
where you want to be is the question. Is it to be seen of men? Or is it truly to glorify God? God doesn't want worldly methods. There's no shortcuts. And after three months, David understood that. And he changed. He changed. Number four, the last one. The preeminence, my last P, of the ark. The preeminence of the ark. The preeminence of the ark. The preeminence of the ark. The ark, the ark, a picture of the cross. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Joshua chapter 3, the ark was 3,000 feet ahead so all of Israel can see the ark. The ark, the ark, Pastor Melody preached on Wednesday. Ezra 4, Ezra's desire. Ezra, Zerubbabel's desire, first and foremost, was to have the altar built. The altar, the presence of God, the ark of God, the altar, the altar, where you seek God. Altar, seek ye first. That was the first thing they wanted to do. The first thing, God, seek ye first. Where are you, my friend, today in the year 2022? Where are you? In the midst of COVID, in the midst of this three-month delay, this three-year delay. But basically, isn't it? Where are you? Are we learning something? Are we growing? Are we seeing the preeminence of the ark? Is the ark still preeminent in your life? Is God first in your life? Or have you, through your pain and discouragements, have taken a shift, lost focus, listening to man trying to solve, listening to the government, listening to people? Where are you, my friend, in the year 2022? Can you stand with me? Pastor Josh, we found the taste, by the way. I want us to sing that again. Because it's time for us to taste the Lord once again. I want every head bowed for a moment, please. Every eye closed. Those on Facebook and YouTube, please. I, I don't know where you stand. I don't know where you're at. My last point was the preeminence of the ark. I've got to ask you, is the ark preeminent in your life? Now you might say, well, yes, he is. No, 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 friends. Is the ark, is Jesus first in your life? Well, I, well how do I know? I'll tell you how I know. Because it's going to be seen on how you live. How you live when nobody's looking. The decisions you make. Your motives. The whys. The details. That's how I know. Is the word preeminent in your life? The ark is also a picture of God's word. Is God's word preeminent in your life? Or are your emotions preeminent? What people say preeminent. The Philistine method preeminent. Is the cart preeminent? Or is the word preeminent? That's what we need to take out of this message this morning. 
Because you can be right, but you can be doing it the wrong way. Doing the right thing the wrong way. You can be asking the right questions to the wrong people. 